Hello and welcome to another episode of the F1 Girls. Uh, as you know, I'm Rihanna. Um, unfortunately, Amy can't join us today, but we do have a guest that you may remember from our Norris and Ricardo episode is Harry Roberts. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Now, this is weird. I've never actually recorded in a room with someone with a podcast. So this is actually kind of strange. So, you know, we'll take it as it comes and just get straight into it because this was a pretty exciting race. So what were your expectations and predictions going going into this weekend? Um, it was an interesting one off the back of the Silverstone. Um, can it, you know, that, that was the main talking point coming into this weekend, really. The um, contact between Max and Lewis at, at Silverstone, which has been talked about definitively. Um, and I think Max's comments on that um, in the driver press conference um, summed up, I think, everyone's feelings about the continued questioning about that incident. Um, but having said that, I think everyone was coming into this weekend with a little bit of um, excitement and everyone had their own predictions on what was going to happen when Max and Lewis came together on track uh, uh, again. Um, and uh, well, it all went off, <laughs> but not quite in the way anyone expected. Yeah, I mean, everyone who's listening probably knows what mine and Amy's takes are on the incident. And I think there was a little bit of dis- disagreement between us. What What do you think your take on it was? Um, I mean, you know, in 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 short, um, I think I think it it was to me it was a little bit of desperation from Lewis. Um, I, I think. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and it's so easy to criticise when you're sat at home watching that and they're the ones actually driving the cars. Um, but I think with Lewis's experience, his immense racecraft, it, it was pretty obvious that he was not going to make that corner. Whether Max was there or not, I, I would have been surprised if Lewis had been able to keep his foot in it and even stay on the track. Um, I don't think Max defended overly aggressively. Um, I think he defended within his rights. Um but at the end of the day, Lewis was deemed responsible. He was given a penalty. And if the FIA are going to deem Lewis responsible for that collision, I think the penalty needs to reflect that. And I think his, the 10 second penalty didn't. It should have been a drive through. And, and I think it was slightly unfair that Lewis was able to go on and win that race after being deemed responsible for taking Max out. So I think it, it, it's probably more on the side of a racing incident. But if we're going to put a blame on someone, it was a bit of desperation from Lewis. And I put the blame with him. Yeah, that, that instance, and we're not going to dwell on it too much because obviously that was the last race, but it's weird how some people can be so differently opinionated on it. Some people think that it should have been a harsh penalty. Some people think the penalty was too harsh. You know, there's such a range of opinion and I don't think we'll probably ever get to the bottom of what is right because everyone's got such different opinions on it. But that kind of tension, is, I think definitely, especially in the media were speculating on that, must have been hard for both Lewis and Max going into... The Hungarian um, race weekend obviously like you said um, Max just didn't want to talk about it and just wasn't having none of it which you want to be in the right mindset so moving on to the Hungarian race weekends uh, what we know about this track it's high downforce so um, there's a potential for slower teams to do better if they get the balance of their car right and things like that uh, it's the second hardest track to overtake after Monaco so again although it might be deemed as uninteresting I think it's good because you can see like higher level skill overtakes and we definitely saw a lot of that this weekend and and because of that um qualifying and the first couple of turns at the beginning of the race are basically the deciders so going into Q1 fortunately uh Schumacher didn't even get to take part in qualifying bit of a shame uh because he had a crash in in FP3 but what also was upsetting in Q1 was Russell was out 
in P17. What are your thoughts on that, Harry? <clears throat> um, I think, you know, uh, Russell is is Mr. Saturday, and I think it, it's been said, it's, it's, the, uh, it's been widely said that now it's a shock if he doesn't get out of Q1. Uh, and it was a bit of a shock, but, you know, he can't get it right every time. Um, I, I didn't actually see his lap. I'm not sure if he made a mistake, but... From the look of the from the timing screens, it looks like they just didn't really have the pace in qualifying. So it was a bit of a shock, but I wouldn't say massively unexpected. He is in a Williams. It's not a competitive car. It's unlikely he's going to get into Q2 every session of the year. So um, yeah, a bit of an odd one, but not that much of a shock. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, looking back a few years ago, there was a time when it you wouldn't even dream of a Williams getting out of the Q1, like you said. So the fact that he does now, I think it's, it's just a blessing. And you can definitely tell there's a lot of the reason why he has been up into Q2 and even Q3 is the fact that he's such a special driver. Because, I mean, I'm not saying that Latifi is unskilled, but he can't get it anywhere near what um, Russell does on a Saturday. So there's definitely massive credit to Russell there. Uh, moving on to Q2, um, we saw quite a lot of people putting some good times. Leclerc, Vettel, um, Gasly and Alonso all putting in some pretty solid times, which I think was very good for them when Sainz crashed, unfortunately. And he's usually a fairly consistent driver he doesn't usually crash out so that was an unfortunate red flag for him but I think signs get going out so early I think definitely benefited him going into the race as, as we all know but I think the most interesting thing about qualifying was Q3 and Hamilton's quote-unquote gamesmanship holding up uh well trying to hold up the Red Bulls what are your thoughts on that Harry? I think it's actually been slightly blown out of proportion, really. Um, <clears throat> the only bit of any note for me on that slow lap Lewis did was, was his speed in the pit lane. Now, I can't remember which race it was at, um, but a, a few years ago, there was a situation where, um, I think it might have been Lewis and Nico, or I can't quite remember, but um, one of the teams was double stacking during a race, and um, one car was already in the pits, the other was coming in. And to avoid losing time on their pit stop, the second car drove into the pit lane and in the pit lane at an excessively slow speed. So they weren't held up when they had their pit stop. Um, and I, I think it might have been Lewis. I can't quite remember. But whoever that was, they got a penalty for that at the time. I was surprised that Lewis didn't get a penalty for driving at the speed he did in the pit lane. To me, that was blatant obstruction of other cars. Um, you know, you, it, they can't get past me, but then they're not allowed to overtaking him. Him dictating their speed to me was impeding them. Um, I suppose the argument to that was there was enough time left in the session. And once they actually got out on track, yes, Lewis was going slowly, but the rebels could have could have overtaken if they wanted to. Um, but they were sticking to their guns and they didn't. And, and ultimately Perez lost out because of that. So um, I think to me, it was touch and go whether he should have got a penalty for the pit lane speed. But it's just mind games. Um, it's Lewis trying to get in the head of Max and, and, and Red Bull in general. And um, I think it, it might have worked to a degree. Yeah, no, I, I have to agree with some of those points. I, I think whether it's legal or not, I just, I just like I've said before in previous podcasts, I just think just being unsportsmanlike, because that was kind of an unsportsmanlike thing to do. I, I just don't see the point. It's not, if you then get a pole position because of it, because Paris didn't get the opportunity to, his lap in I mean luckily for Stefan did but I think Hamilton was trying to make them both not get over the line if they did their car their tires would be so cold they wouldn't be able to do a, a good lap anyway I think if you then earn a, a, a p1 because of that it, it almost isn't as earned because you 
you you've earned it in a kind of a dishonest way and i i just just don't think there's any room for that in any kind of sport like unsportsmanlike unsportsmanlike behavior so i i'm quite disappointed in him they do that and it it does show a little bit of like you said desperation around the whole thing and he can do it he can do he can win this thing with full integrity he just doesn't need to put in these little things so yeah unfortunately that that um drew qualifying to an end and we had a uh, Hamilton Bottas Verstappen Perez Gasly Norris Leclerc Ocon Alonso and Vettel top 10 which is pretty unsurprising I think they're pretty much people you would expect to be in the top 10 for the start but moving swiftly on to the beginning of the race <laughs> it was a bit of a weird one because obviously it started rain just as you know the cars going out they're on the um the intermediates uh Giovinazzi was the only one who came in on the formation lap to um put on some slicks uh and then it all kicked off crash one or, t- or crash on turn one do you want to talk us through that harry yeah um i mean <clears throat> you know very very tricky the track is um you know in those conditions in those conditions um very treacherous. The drivers have done no wet weather driving at all over the course of the weekend. So it's completely new territory for all of them. You know, even on a dry circuit, breaking into turn once, fresh off the grid, you don't know the kind of heat in your tyres, your brakes are going to be touch and go, whether they've got enough heat in them or not. Um, and then doing that in the wet is just, um, is even more treacherous. Um, Hamilton got away very, very well. That was uh, very lucky for him ultimately, because had he not got away well, very high chance he could have got taken out in the melee in turn one. But Bottas was the main man in all of that. Norris made an absolute blinding start straight around the outside, well, around the inside of Bottas. Mm. Um, I think Bottas was taken unawares by that a little bit. He was very nearly sandwiched between Norris. And I can't remember who was on his outside. It could have been Perez. Um, he was very nearly sandwiched. And it's a simple misjudgment. Um, he just misjudged the breaking point. Locked up entirely. You could see him fighting with the wheel to, to try and do anything to get away from the back of Norris's car and he couldn't do it. Um, you know, complete misjudgment. He's got a lot of stick for it. Yes, he took out a lot of cars. Um, but, you know, these guys make mistakes and, and, and it was a mistake. You know, there's all of this. Um, was it intentional? They're trying to take out the Red Bulls. It's funny to talk about and it's, it's funny to uh, put a bit of stock into that. But... It, of course, it wasn't intentional. It was just a complete mistake by Bottas, but a very costly one for Red Bull, McLaren and Leclerc. Yeah, I definitely have to second the fact that no no way do I think that was intentional for Bottas. Bottas is the only is, is so determined to get his own points and it's made a point that he doesn't want to just aid Lewis. So it doesn't make any sense for Bottas to have done that. Um, but it was it was just like a massive um a domino effect. So what I've got down in my notes was Bottas doesn't um break soon enough, hits Norris, Norris hits um Perez and Verstappen gets caught up in that. And then because that's happening, Stroll hits Leclerc and then Leclerc hits Ricardo. And then I think I think the Alpha Tauris, I think the Gasly definitely did. He got caught up in it, um, which then caused a red flag. Bottas, Leclerc, Perez, Norris, and Stroll had to retire. Which is very unfortunate, even though they had the time during the red flag, it was such a big crash and a big mess. A lot of them, they, their cars weren't recoverable in the next half an hour. And and Bottas got a, a five-place grid penalty for it, which something that was very clearly an accident. I'm not going to say that he doesn't deserve it, but like 
it is it's just a shame that a, a tiny lapse in concentration can a warrant all that happening and then you get a grip penalty it's just a massive stroke of bad luck unfortunately um but that did lead to a, a very interesting restart hamilton was the only one on the, on the start line everyone else had pitted to get onto some slicks did did ha- what what do you think was happening did mercedes not tell him did he because did something was there something about the radio you can't radio on the formation app or something or because i remember the commentator saying that that mercedes was saying we need to get on slicks as soon as possible or something and then hamilton just didn't pit it yeah what, what do you think went on there um yeah it was it was very very odd weirdest restart i've ever seen in my life um just very briefly nipping back to the other one i actually think um the the crash at the beginning i actually think strolls um stroll actually almost did exactly what bottas did I think it was actually a slightly separate incident. I don't think the Stroll melee was actually anything to do with the Bottas one. Stroll just completely got it wrong. And I think they're both deserving of those five-place group penalties for the next race. But the restart, I'm, I'm not sure about the not radioing on the formation lap. I've, I've, I've heard teams and drivers talk to each other before. I heard Ocon and, uh, uh, or it might have been Russell come on the radio and go, everyone's going to pit for slips. Um, from Toto Wolff's comments after the race, it sounded like Mercedes had their mind made up and they, they thought we are going to start this race on the intermediates, regardless of what everyone else does. The problem is when you're the car leading, I mean, imagine if, imagine if Hamilton had dived into the pits and then no one else did and <laughs> it started raining again, because I think that was the fear that the rain might come back. So if Hamilton had pitted for slicks, no one else had, and then Hamilton then immediately had to go back onto the inters again, you know, it could have been in an even worse position, uh, even further behind the field. So it was a very odd one. And it, I did crack a smile when Hamilton went past the pit lane and then every single other driver, one after the other, bombed it into the pit lane. It was um, not maliciously against Hamilton. It was just it was just a weird, weird situation to see and, and ultimately gave us a cracking race. Yeah, I get what you mean about it. It's definitely hard being the first car. You've got no one to follow. At least everyone behind Ocon could just be like well they're all pitting I'm definitely should pit if you're Hamilton and even Ocon you you two have to make the the decision like mm. do I follow him or do I do my own thing and yeah Ocon made the right call on that one and the Alpine team um so yeah as as um Hamilton made a race start on his own he got the best race <laughs> re-race start out of everyone I think <laughs> yeah. um but what was weird is what happened with Russell he Kate, I th- did he just overtake because obviously the Williams is right at the end of the pit lane because obviously the if the slightly slower teams get the better um, pit position. So I'm guessing what happened, he pitted. And instead of having to just wait for everyone to go in front of me, he just slid into into second, didn't he? So, yes. Yeah, so, so, well, into first, ultimately. I mean, uh, um, well, once Hamilton pitted. But um, from what I saw in the radio communications, I saw, um, obviously, you're right, the, the re- um, Williams box is right at the end of the pit lane. Um, he came in for his pit and Latifi had already pitted in front of him and Latifi had sort of just joined onto the side of the queue and Russell on the onboard you see him stop momentarily he comes on his radio and immediately says can I jump the queue and before he got an answer he just went for it um, and he got to the front just as the light went green and boom he was in the lead um, so I, I think it was I think it was, it was worth it it was worth giving it a go um, quite almost ingenious from Russell there um, because it reminded me a few years ago it was the um, Chinese Grand Prix 2016 I think um, Vettel was coming into the pit lane I think he had Sainz and someone else in front of him who were going into the pit lane very very slowly and 
Vettel just overtook them on the entry to the pit lane completely legally. No one had ever done it before. The commentators didn't know what was going on. They didn't know if it was legal and it ended up being legal. And Seb gained on track a whole load of places because of it. So I think it was completely worth Russell giving it a go and you know, fair play to him. Yeah, that, that immediately makes me think of, for those who listen to our Formula One versus Formula E episode, um, hmm. the, the one of the drivers towards the back just decided to overtake everyone in on safety car and come out first. I mean, it ended up not being legal and he got disqualified, but I guess if you, if you don't try, you don't know. So it was probably worth giving it a go. And the worst you can do is get sent back to where you were, which we did. And, I think we're all kind of worried. Everyone thought they had a problem and we're like, Russell's just been so unlucky mechanically whenever he's been near a point or near a podium position. <laughs> um, so yeah, we were all a bit worried there, but yeah, luckily it was just him being told to go back to where he was. Um, so yeah, as, as that was kind of unfolding, Hamilton realized he'd made a massive mistake and then had to pit and ended up at the back of the grid. My thoughts were, there's no way he's going to get up. It's a very hard track to overtake on, but, Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> yeah, m- my initial thoughts, my initial thoughts were Hamilton's going to win this race. He always does after anything can happen to him, he will win the race. Uh, and for the majority of the race, I was convinced he was going to do it. Uh, and so he came across Fernando Alonso, but we'll come to that slightly later on. Um, but I was honestly convinced that he had the pace. Um, yes, it is a very hard track to overtake. They call it, the, they call it Monaco without walls. Um, but you know, with the pace of that Mercedes against other cars, I was I was so convinced, and on fresh rubber, I was so convinced he was going to win the race. But yeah, didn't quite pan out that way in the end. Yeah, what what is unfortunate is unfortunately um, Verstappen wasn't able to repair all of the damage from the incident. So although he was able to run the race, uh, I think was it floor damage that you had or something along those lines. He was sat in well, like fourteenth or something, just pretty much shut the whole race. What I just it's just such a shame because going what was what was it the for the title fight it was if um if they if there had been a one two they'd still be they'd either be equal on points or one of them would be like a few points more so the fact that he was just hanging around in a no point area is kind of like heartaking for any um Max Verstappen fans for the championship yeah I mean as a Verstappen fan it was just I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw that. Uh, the other Mercedes had uh, Red Bulls yet again being taken out by another Mercedes again, not implying that it was intentional at all, but it was just sods law that um, it was going to happen for a second race in a row. Again, the stat, you know, people could debate whether Verstappen was um, at all responsible for the Silverstone crash. He was a complete innocent bystander in this. Such a shame. You're right. His right barge board was missing. He had a cracked side pod and he had floor damage. So, I think Christian Horner's comments after the race were a bit harsh, but he said uh, Max had less downforce than Schumacher out there today, which is a bit of a dig at the house team. But, um, <laughs> but, but it was true. You could see he was just nowhere. You know, that's why they put him on the fresh rubber. They didn't have the downforce. They needed the mechanical grip um, and, and it wasn't there. And he eventually got past Schumacher um, and he crossed the line in 10th, I think. But um, ultimately, which is, you know, a, hollow reward really considering that Lewis had gone on to finish on the podium um yeah big shame for Max and big shame for Red Bull yeah definitely um so reading um the current standing so this is a snapshot from lap 12 we have Ocon in first Vettel second Latifi Sonoda Sainz Alonso Russell Raikkonen Ricardo Schumacher Verstappen Gasly Hamilton and Giovinazzi that is probably one of the weirdest uh you know 
leader charts I've seen in a long time. Um, and yet, well, I suppose we're only 12 laps in here, so a lot can happen. But it looks like everyone who had a bad qualifying session or got a bad start, basically it paid off here. It's, that's a weird situation. Yeah, big time. If you, if you look at Vettel's on board, his start, his start was atrocious. I, I, he lost five or six places at the start, actually, just had a whole load of wheel spin, and then the engine bogged down. He went nowhere. Um, and, and, and you look, and him and Ocon were, were close to each other on the track, and they just stuck to the inside. And obviously, everyone was just wiped out, pushed to the outside of the track. Everyone on the outside either was hit or had to brake hard to avoid the collision. Ocon, Vettel, um, Latifi, Sonoda, they were all on the inside and they were just able to nip through. Um, so it, it it really, it almost rendered qualifying redundant that start of the race because um, it was completely dependent on where you were on the track at the time of the crash. So yeah, it was, um, the last time I saw a leaderboard that crazy was uh, uh, Italy last year when um, when Gasly won. Um, that was the last time I, I was that shocked at a, at a um, yeah, in race leaderboard. Yeah, no, I, I definitely have to agree. It's it's not it's a comes around once in the blue moon, and I was definitely I watched this race twice. I watched the highlights and I watched it live. That's that's how much <laughs> how much excitement I got from that. Um, but talking about where people are at the moment, so Latifi was third at this point, and I just thought it's really nice Russell going on the radio saying, "Please prioritize um Nikki and his strategy and whatever." This is he. You can tell that he really appreciates how important this is for Williams to be in a in a double point position, let alone Latif being third. And I, and I think we all know that he wasn't going to stay third, but there was a good chance for them both to get some good points. And the fact that Russell was saying, please prioritise um, Nicholas, it, it's just really nice to see, isn't it? It's nice to see some some good sportsmanship and, you know, caring about the, the team and your teammate, because a lot of people can get quite tunnel vision when they're racing and thinking about themselves. But he, it was, it was just a nice thing to see, wasn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it, it, it's a rare thing to see. I think we actually saw two, two uh, examples of incredible sportsmanship in this race, which is from Russell and Alonso later on. But um, yeah, it, it was valiant from from George to even suggest that they should compromise his race. Real, real team player, and I think he, um, I think he was already high in everyone's, um, you know, how much everyone respects him. And I think that only did more. For, for his image and, and what a nice guy he really is. Yeah, I think everyone knows he's a regular listener that me and Amy are a, a massive um, Russell fan. So yeah, that's just <laughs> boosted um, him in our minds even more than he already is. Um, so moving on to um, Hamilton's pit, he was able to undercut both Verstappen and Ricardo by taking an earlier strategy. That was definitely, definitely the right call for Mercedes and basically cut... Basically, I think that secured him a podium spot, really, doing that double overtake, wasn't it? Because Verstappen was going to give him a massive hard time, even with floor damage when trying to overtake. Yeah, no-brainer from Merck there. Um, had to get him in early, get him on the fresh rubber. He, he was going to have the pace advantage. And I think at this point, he was two, three seconds a lap quicker than than, than the leaders after he came out um, in front of um, Verstappen and Ricardo. Yeah, no-brainer, good strategy from Merck. And, um, yeah, really helped Lewis. Well, it, again, was it not were it not for Alonso, that would have helped him secure the win. So that, that was definitely a winning strategy for Mercedes. Yeah, 100%. And yeah, still talking about pits, uh, lap 37, uh, Vettel unfortunately put in, although it's not a slow pit, three seconds is like a massively slow pit, but it, when you, him and Ocon were very tight, Vettel was always under two seconds behind Ocon throughout the whole race, and them two were racing very hard. So three seconds... <clears throat> I think probably was the difference between Vettel 
becoming first and Ocon remaining in first, you know. So having that three second pit stop and then Ocon responded and I think they did a, a 2.3 was very, very fast. That again, that what do you think that was the pinnacle point of Ocon kind of securing his his win? Yeah, actually, uh, t- to be honest, I think uh, Alpine were in um, Alpine and Ocon were, were in Aston Martin and Vettel's hands at that point. Um, the the undercut, as we saw, was powerful. The only one who didn't, who wasn't subject to to the undercut um, throughout the race, was was Sainz, um, and he was calling the shots from the from the um, from the cockpit, which ended up being a good strategy. But um, yeah, really unfortunate for Seb that his stop was slightly slower. He put in a hell of an outlap to try and catch back up to Ocon, and it was mightily close. Um, but fair play to Ocon he, he didn't buckle under the pressure he came out of the pit Seb was right on him from the start and um he didn't buckle so um it was more of a misfortune of Aston Martin than the strategic genius of Alpine but that's the way Formula One goes sometimes yeah uh, I definitely agree with that um and as we're as we're moving into the later stages of the race luckily we have the world's biggest Alonso fan sitting next <laughs> to me so Talking about this next bit, he will be in his element. Lap 57, Hamilton versus Alonso. This was a battle that went on for quite a few laps. Um, just tell me your initial thoughts on how well Alonso just kept Hamilton behind him. Obviously, the Alpine is quite slower than the Mercedes, yet he was able to keep um, Hamilton behind for that long. How incredible is that? Yeah, you know, I, I, as an Alonso fan, I've had years of heartache, and it was um, <laughs> it was just incredible to see him battling like that. You know, in fairness, he was on uh, his rubber wasn't as fresh as Lewis's, but he was on um, fresher tyres than the, the the others around him, so that did give him a good pace advantage. And and before that, he was catching science exponentially. Um, and it was actually slightly unfortunate that Lewis caught him at the time he did because one or two more laps, Alonso could have passed signs before Lewis caught up to them, which ultimately would have ended up in a podium. But um, it, it, it was fantastic. He, he's still got it, 40 years of age. He's still got all the racecraft, all the awareness, the reaction time, the speed, everything he's ever had. Um, and it was, you know... You look at when Lewis earlier on in the race, he he got past Sonoda around the outside of turn uh, one, two, three, four, five, I think it is, uh, turn four or five, the, the blind left-hander. And Sonoda tried to defend, but it was a bit of a weak attempt, uh, to be honest. And Alonso was able to defend from that particular move four or five times. Um, it, it was incredible racecraft from him in a car that was much slower against a car that was much faster. Um a bit disappointing, Lewis coming on the radio and complaining about Alonso's defence. I, I didn't see anything Alonso did wrong. He didn't move under braking. They did bang wheels at one point, but he wasn't pushing him off the track. Um, it was hard, hard racing, but extremely fair and an incredible show from Alonso. And just a shame that he locked up in the end. But I think with 10 or 12 or 14 laps of consistent defending, it was unlikely that he wasn't going to mistake it, make a mistake at any point. So yeah, I was I was loving every every moment of that. Yeah, I have to agree. My my heart just just ate. You know, when I saw him lock up, and I was like, yeah, Hamilton's gone at this point. But I definitely agree with the um, you know, the the comments Lewis made. The quote is, "At that speed, that's so dangerous." <laughs> Doesn't that remind you of a certain incident that happened not that long ago with Max Verstappen? It's the biggest that's the most hypocritical comment I think I've ever heard it make that really did annoy me you did the exact same thing you just said oh it's fair racing and as soon as it happens to you oh that was so dangerous blah, 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 blah. it's ah oh, just just annoying I just 
you just don't need it you just don't need it and it, it's just it, Lewis got the place at the end of the day you just didn't need to do that <laughs> yeah I uh no I yeah I completely echo your comments there um you know um without going in too hard on Lewis you know all Formula One drivers are like it. They'll, they'll criticise someone for something one day and they'll do exactly the same thing the next weekend. But um, I just think with the freshness of the Lewis-Max collision, it was a bit ironic that Lewis was complaining that Alonso was moving around too much and, and uh, it was dangerous at those speeds. But, you know, there we go. That's how it is. And, and that's, um, that, that's Formula One. Yeah. And um, so moving on to post-race, so, so what happened at the end, obviously, Vettel... Not Ocon P1, Vettel P2, Hamilton P3, and Signs. I think just missed out. Very unfortunate. I think it was it was the last few laps, wasn't it, that Hamilton overtook Signs, and you could just hear the pain on the radio as he was like, "Oh no, I feel bad for him." Signs does get quite close, but never quite close enough. Yeah, Science was. Um, I mean, Science was actually struggling a lot on his tyres. Um, he did a long, long, long second stint, um, and and I think it was as soon as Hamilton got past. Fernando, it was, it was, it was, um, the writing was on the wall that Hamilton was going to get signs. Um, it was a shame for him. Um, ultimately, it didn't really matter because he got on the podium in the end anyway. But um, yeah, I, I actually think he was quite lucky because one or two more laps, I think Alonso would have got signs um, actually um, because he, he was just so much quicker. So um, unfortunately, he got passed by Lewis, but uh, inevitable, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, after all that, Alonso earned Driver of the Day, although that's a kind of a meaningless, you know, award, he, he still definitely earned it. And Gasly got fastest lap. That was a little bit of a surprise. I'm guessing he got some fresher tyres to do that. Yeah, I, I, wasn't, I didn't actually, I think everyone was too focused on what was happening at the top end of the field. I didn't actually see, I assume they pitted him um, for, for fresh rubber. He, he had a big gap in front of him to um, Alonso, and I think he had a sizable gap to him back to Sonoda so I can only assume they put him put him on fresh rubber which you know when when the midfield battle is that tight it's a no-brainer really um so yeah fair play to Alfatari and, and Gasly for getting past the slot yeah exactly um I thought this obviously we got confirmation of this I think a day after or a couple of days after was Vettel actually being disqualified for was it a lack of a fuel sample because I think he'd, he'd just run out of fuel on track and he had to, everyone saw him jogging back to um uh, the pit lanes and stuff like that how unfortunate and heartbreaking is that to put all that effort in and to just be disqualified over like technicality it was yeah it was a shame um you know better put in such a valiant performance the entire race um hounding ock on pretty much from the start um it, it is a shame unfortunately those are the rules um what, what i don't quite understand is aston martin would have had the an overview of Seb's fuel throughout the entire race. Um, so I don't quite understand why they allowed him to, to to get so low on fuel. Either there could have been a telemetry problem, perhaps. I think they would have said that had that been the case. Um, I suspect they were aware he was low on fuel, but they didn't want him to stop pushing to try and get the win. I think they probably made him push a bit too long. A bit too hard and therefore they went over their their fuel allowance you know these cars these cars are allowed to use um 100 kgs of fuel throughout, the, throughout a race um and at the end of every race each car has to be able to deliver a one liter fuel sample to the fia to uh for examination to ensure they're not using illegal fuels or anything and they could only get 0.3 liters out of seb's tank so 
it is a shame, but ultimately those are those are the rules, and the rules are there for a reason. So, um, really unlucky for Steph. Yeah, that is unfortunate, and I think what kind of obviously that did, that I was worried about that, but also Russell had the exact same thing, although he wasn't under investigation. Imagine how heartbroken he would have been if he had to give up his points because <laughs> we also how emotional he got afterwards he was actually crying because he was just so happy is, is this actually the first points he's ever got for Williams because wasn't it Kubitsu got the um the points in that Germany race when everyone like crashed out and in, in the wet he, he's never actually won points for Williams has he yeah no this, this is the first points finish for Williams in about two and a half years I think uh, or, or two years yeah you're right um probably Kubitsu got that point in in yeah, it might have been Germany that time but well, yeah, it's George's first points for Williams. And had it not been for that trip out in the murk he had at Bahrain last year, it would have been his first points in Formula One. So, um, uh, and I really respected his comments. He said, you know, he, he's not he's not fussed that it's him getting the points. It's the team has worked so, so hard to Aww. come back from where they were. Um, you know, team owners had to sell. Um, bottom of the constructors for however many seasons on the trot. Um huge effort from the team so big big respect um to the team and russell therefore um putting the team first and, and finally doing it and ending up getting i think 10 points um thanks to seb's disqualification so no now oh, they're yeah. well yeah. well ahead of um uh Haas and, and alpha uh in the standing so if they can bring home an eighth place or would that be seventh place eighth, eighth place in the constructors i think that would be a, a huge win for them this year so no, yeah, fair play to Williams and fair play to George. I think what's also good to highlight is I think they touched on this in Drive Five. Even just beating Haas or another lower team does an amazing amount for um, potential sponsorship, and that for lower teams that is is almost make a break between five. We saw um, on Drive Five how how Haas was struggling, and it was basically if we don't get sponsors, we can't do it kind of situation. So having getting those points this weekend. And being able to say that you're not last, you're not second last, you're you're above two other teams. You're third last. You're third, you're third last. <laughs> How incredible! With the new regulations coming in and being able to say that, that's such a good, that's puts Williams in such good light for potential sponsorship in the future and just becoming a more financially stable team and having more money to put towards their racing. It's 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 just good news all around. So I can definitely see why Russell is so happy for the team as well as himself and for getting those points yeah and it's uh it also has a huge um impact on the prize money that the teams receive at the end of each year um there are there, there are there is a million millions and millions of pounds difference between finishing eighth ninth and tenth in the constructors so um that'll be a huge boost for williams financially as well and just to add uh, we spoke a lot about george this race um big respect to latifi as well he did an amazing race didn't make any yeah. mistakes um it's been massively overlooked at Williams um yeah. you know when you've got a teammate like George it's it's going to be tough but um he did an amazing race he didn't buckle under the pressure um and he held on to third place for a long period of the race so yeah um yeah big respect to the team as well 100 uh, and our last point um which was which wasn't wasn't very nice to see unfortunately um was Lewis was he, he just doesn't look very well on the podium he I think, did he get taken in for mild dizziness and fatigue or something to do with exhaustion? I think everyone, especially people who don't watch motorsport, they think that they don't think it's physically taxing, especially a 70, I know it's all the same distance, but in, but 70 laps, just it does seem quite a lot. And um, it's, it was such a shame to see him almost 
not being able not they not being able to stand I, I saw Ocon see if he was all right and you could just tell that he was kind of just struggling being there and wasn't really you know shaking the champagne like um he usually does that, that just wasn't nice to see was it him being that that tired and exhausted and just hope that he he's feeling better now yeah no yeah definitely not nice um I think that he he said that he, he feels he could be suffering with long COVID after he contracted it um last year um whether that's that's true I'm not claiming that he's lying about it but whether that's medically true I'm not sure but um he definitely looked unwell I actually noticed it in the pre-podium interviews he just looked quite pale he didn't look right um but you know I think part of that is um you're right Formula One is a physically taxing sport and some people don't quite appreciate that but um battling for you know Lewis <laughs> Lewis was pretty much flat out the entire race from um from the restart um after his first pit stop he was pretty much flat out and not only was he flat out lap after lap he had yeah 10 12 14 laps of complete you know um 110% against one of the best races on the planet Fernando Alonso um i am not surprised at all that he was fatigued after the race um but it was uh, it was a shame to see and actually just just to add to that um I'm not the biggest Lewis fan, but the the booing that he's been getting that that um, at this race is is pretty disgraceful. I think um, I think it's it's not fair at all. You know, he's 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 one of the best drivers on the planet. He's doing what he's being paid to do, um, and there's no place for booing in this sport or any sport. So um, that's a real big shame, and I hope we don't see any more of it in the coming races. Yeah, I, I completely agree that it's it just that in itself just is shameful on the sport you shouldn't no one no drive should have to undergo that and it it must be so hard if that does happen to you to be in the zone and to like deal with that mentally it's just you just don't want to put anyone through that so yeah I totally agree that is just just not acceptable and I hope Lewis mate has made a speedy recovery from his his tiredness but that brings us to the end of our podcast. Thank you so much, Harry, for, for joining. Um, and Amy will be back for the next episode, I'm sure. Yes, thank you very much. No, it's been fun. It was an amazing race. And uh, I think if I was going to feature on any podcast, it would have been this one. So uh, no, thank you. It's all right. Um, please do um, follow us on Instagram if you want to be part of the conversation. We do um, quizzes, things like that, get involved. And yeah, we'd love to hear some of your feedback as well, if you have any. Um, also, we won't have many episodes of the tour over the summer break. We're going under a little uh, reconstruction, but we will definitely be back after the August break with some more racing action. So thank you for listening. Bye.